When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps, a podcast for you, the players, supporters and the hard-working volunteers that make our glorious game from the lowest to the highest level throughout the UK and beyond. I'm Rick, I'm here with Ian, Richard and Neil as we take you on a journey around our home here at Winsor Cricket Club in Burton-on-Trent. On this podcast we'll bring you updates on Winsor CC We'll also be answering all your questions and inviting you, the listener, to send in your stories from around the cricketing world. We will, of course, have a special guest coming from their view from Cow Corner with their opinions, ideals and anecdotes. So, let's get started and bring you up to date with the goings-on at Winsel, the little club with the big personality. So, hello listeners. Welcome to this week's podcast. We've banished Livo to the road onto the uh, Winsel live tour bus to get some gossip from around the cricketing world. This week's Cow Corner features Jenny Moore from Staffordshire Cricket, and we'll be hearing that a little bit later on. But first, I'm here with Moss and Neil, and we're going to update you with the uh, goings-on at Winsor CC. Hello, fellas. Have we been engrossed in the uh, World Cup? A couple of cup yeah. semi-final matches. Yeah, good matches. Um, I think the competition's got better as it's gone on, hasn't it? It's been really good. There's been some fantastic games, yeah, really. Just has, yeah. shame for England just fa- falling at the last third, like Johnny Bairstow catch on the boundary. That was... Game changer. If he'd have taken that, then I think uh, they'd, have, they'd have won. Oh, it would it? Would it? Would great catch if he'd have, if oh, he'd took it? If he just could keep his knee up that little you bit. Can't more. really do that at Windsor. Actually, be over Mister Mister Noble's garden. <laughs> <laughs> With a load of thorns in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and obviously, this is going to go out next week. But uh, come on, then. Uh, what's your predictions for the for the final? Then Australia, New Zealand. How, how, what we, which way are we going? Uh, I think Australia will win it. Yeah, I think yeah. unfortunately Australia. I'd like to see New Zealand because what happened in the World Cup. Um, I think where... they've got a good chance, New Zealand. I actually, I, I think they. Yeah, I'd, I'd back them. I would. I'd genuinely back them. I think they've got some good batters down the order. That Phillips is a good batter. Uh, he can smash it about. But the trouble with Australia, they've got somebody that can come in right. You know, like Wade, like he did the other night. Oh yeah, forty-one. You look at him with his stupid moustache, and you think, 
Vegan, yeah, I think they've got more than five pounds, haven't they? Yeah. It is Movember. Well, I know. I, I thought about it. I thought, why has he got a moustache? And I realised it's November. Well, they all have, haven't they? Yeah, well, they have, yeah. Who was it checked Warner's pockets for uh, some it, people? It's Chris Gale, wasn't it? Was it, it Chris yeah. Gale? <laughs> I thought was yeah, good checking his checking his pockets yeah, as he walked out. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, what's new at Windsor? What's happening? Uh, what's happening at Windsor? Well, we've signed no new players like some other clubs have out there, but uh, we've got our AGM coming up. That's in uh, December, December the 6th. So all the uh, usual positions will be decided. Captains, vice-captains, chairman probably. Um, there's a few chairmen leaving out there. Not standing down, are you, no, are you no, Rich? No, no, no. And then uh, a couple of other bits and bobs. Um, we've got uh, we've bought a camera. We bought one of these okay. cameras that you can record every match. And it links to the, uh, the laptop that we score with. And so you can record every game, you can have captions and replays. It's static camera above the uh, sight screen. Uh, can be controlled from the score box. So that's a, a new thing for this year. We're going to be installing it hopefully in January, get a bit of practice on it, a couple of practice games, and then uh, away we go. So everybody in the world will be able to watch Winsaw live. I think going to film for like for film the matches. Yeah, and... film all the matches, static camera behind the bowler's arm. Some clubs have got them already, haven't they? They're quite good. Yeah, I think Spondon have got them. Um, one or two other clubs have started to look at them. Uh, they link they link to your laptop perfectly, so uh, you can do, you can do good things with them. But uh, it's a bit of a setup, but uh, it's relatively it's... cheap, really, for what it is. I was like you've been fame more than watching cricket. Yeah. I think more I bloopers. Think, I, and... I think one of the things you have seen <laughs> on social media with Twitter and, and all these sorts of things, like cricket shouts, that a lot of clips have, are on from. Um, uh, Cameras that where people have thrown the ball in and <laughs> fell over and dropped catches and they they got it. It's great to see. It's, it's spreading the spreading cricket around the world, isn't it? Really? Does it film just the, just the wicket then, or is it? Yeah, it's, the, the, it's, the, it's the pitch mainly, but you can rotate the camera. So if you if you're quick enough, I think you could you know follow some of the some of the play. But I think the the idea is it's static. Just on the pitch. Yes, so. it's on the sight screen then. You're so literally like from one end straight down the uh, yeah. track. So if the sight screen does get moved during the match, whoever's operating it can move it to okay. to view. And then the, I think the latest news is uh, Bobolats. The club have gone uh, heavily into getting new Bobolats for the winter. Mr Winfield's idea. Yeah, top. So, uh, get one for Christmas. Orders have gone in. So if anybody out there wants a Winsor Bobolat, we'll, oh. we'll put it up on our social media feed and... Uh, Order one for Christmas. I think they're about twelve quid. Nice little Christmas yeah. present, and we've got junior sizes as well. So let's uh, let's get some sold. Oh, so we've gone bobble at mad. Yeah, I'm the uh, bobble at model. Mars is the sock model. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to a couple of questions. Now, we've had an email through our social media. And don't forget, you can uh, email any questions or anecdotes to stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. So we've had this email. This, this comes from Pete, and it reads, Hi, guys, at stumpsumpsandbeerpumps. Enjoying the podcast, especially Neil being at the back end of both of them. Keep up the good work. But what I'd like to know is, what are the most embarrassing moments, or have you got any embarrassing moments, you can recall whilst playing? Uh, my most embarrassing moment myself on the pitch has got to be the Parwich drop. It surely has. I mean, the background to it is we, we all went out on the Friday night, Wilshire at Sherby's wet the baby's head night, and we all turned up at Parwich the next day, <laughs> all in a, a state, and I was fielding at cover, and this chap, he went very good, he popped one up to me at cover, as if you're throwing it back to the bowler, you know. And I dropped it, and I just couldn't believe it. Everybody's like in fits of laughter, and I'm just putting my head in my hands. 
And I went, what am I doing? I was just like, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. It still gets mentioned all the time now, doesn't it? Any, yeah, any we, simple job catch is always Paul Witch. It's not, not as bad as Paul Witch. They always say, and some of them have been as bad as Paul Witch. No, no, I don't, I don't think they have. <laughs> well, they never, they never are, because it was absolutely shocking. And then I was thinking about this when uh, I was trying to think of some embarrassing moments. And when, when you were a kid, or in your, in your early teens, 20s, and I, I, I could feel, people say I can't, but I could feel. <laughs> and I used to want the ball to come to me all the time. I mean, I was young, I was, threw myself about, and you want the ball, but in your later life, in your cricketing career, you just, I think, don't hit the ball to me because I'm just going to make an idiot <laughs> to myself. And we played Draycott and Ambry. I was fielding at third man. I mean, that's how degrading that became, going down to third man. Third man to third man. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not embarrassing itself, but the last ball of their innings, the ball came down to me, and it was it was just trickling down. I went down, gave the old long barrier, and it went straight through me. And I could see the ball slowly going towards the boundary rope. And I'm crawling on all fours after it, trying to get the ball. And these lot are just absolutely laughing their heads off. But uh, what about you, Neil? Have you got anything? Um, the only one that springs to mind is probably seven or eight years ago, playing away at Barton. And um, was walking around, me and Dunk, not batting, but we had a collapse. And we're usually like the furthest away from the pavilion where we have a collapse. So we had to bomb around to get changed, put your pads on, whatever else. Anyway, next wicket falls, I'm in, goes in, takes my guard, keeper's laughing. What's he laughing at? So what are you laughing at, mate? Turn around, what are you laughing at? I've got my trousers on back to front. <laughs> so, I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So to look down, and like, my arse is at the front and what's at the back. And then, um, <laughs> I said, fair enough then. That, carry on. Yeah, carry on. What can I do? I've got my pads on. What can I carry on? Stumps, ups and beer bumps. So let's get over to Cow Corner with our very own Ian Livo and from Staffordshire Cricket, Jenny Moore. Good afternoon and welcome Jenny. Hi. Today we'll be chatting about the support that Staffordshire Cricket and the rest of the cricket boards in conjunction with the ECB provide to all of us little clubs around England and Wales. We'll also discuss the immense development and growth of the women's and girls game which I know Jenny is particularly passionate about. But first let's just make a start by getting to know a little bit more about our guest Jenny Moore by asking simply, Jenny, do you want to tell us a bit about your earliest memories of cricket and how you got involved? Yeah, so my, probably quite typically for a lot of people, my dad took me down to the nearest cricket ground. He'd always been interested in the game. He uh, played as a as a youngster, watched the game. And actually, more importantly for me, he, um, he likes the cricket club atmosphere. He likes what type of person that brings out in which in cricket someone. club was it Caverswell okay that's where I still am now mm-hmm. um and my brother played first and foremost and I scored and continued on from there it's been a family thing then yeah yeah how many how many more of the family are down there these days uh my two kids husband um dad still goes down brother not so much but mm-hmm. his little lads just started playing all-stars so it's going back round again yes yeah, so it's gone full circle yeah what's, what's the biggest changes you can see at Caverswell compared to when you were first down there do you know a lot of things are still quite the same the, the way that the clubs run is different it's run more as a business now it's open every, it always has been to be fair open every day of the year but okay. um, it's it's a year round club um, full of families um, it always and that has always been the case there yeah, so probably the business side of things is di- very different to what it was when I was 14, 15, when I first started to go there. But still, the place is still the same. It looks the same. It feels the same. The 
lots mm-hmm. of the same people that live locally are still there and that's the bit that I love about the place so it's, it's a it's all re- year round social club as well as a cricket club then yeah definitely yeah so it's open Christmas day Boxing day you know some of the best days we've had down there have been have you had Christmas lunch there not Christmas lunch but I've been down on Christmas morning wow many a time. not wow. for a while but uh, yeah I've been down there on Christmas there's day. not that many clubs like that anymore is there no and it, and it still continues to be the case and I think we've gone through phases before where we've wanting to close on certain nights mm-hmm. but when we've done that we found that you lose people then you lose them you might have a quiet night but you lose them to the pub up the road if you do shut so they've carried on and still can go in there any night of the week how many teams to... have they got at Cabswell? Oh, they've got three two Saturday sides and a Sunday side midweek teams and then junior sides all the way through from all stars and you you run all stars yourself, don't you? I do do all stars. That's the one thing that I do do. Yeah. Is is that by choice or that you, were they sort of you work for staffs cricket? You should do it. Um, no, by choice. I, I love the little ones. I've done my coaching badges, but the older ones are too good for me. I'm I'm not a cricketer. I won't profess to be a cricketer. Um, so once they start to know what they're doing, they're beyond me. So you but never I even like played the before then. You just went into coaching. Yeah, I played a little bit at university. Hmm. Played. I played all sports. I love yeah. sports, and I've played my whole life. That's. My mum and dad got me into sport at a really young age, so I've always played, but never probably at any high level. Um, and then did my coaching badges when I left. But whilst I was at uni, I did a couple, and then did my cricket one just as I left university. Um, but my ability is with little ones, teaching them to catch and throw mm-hmm. is about as, as far as I would go, and I love all-stars. So you've got league. qualifications in general sports coaching as well as just cricket? Yeah, netball, um, cricket, tennis... So would that mean that you know, the next question was about being involved in sports admin? This is almost your dream job to be involved in sports admin and running this sort of what you do now. Yeah, so I, I went to university, did sports science there, sports science and coaching um, and got a job straight away in local authority sports development. Did that for just over 10 years at Newcastle Borough Council, mm-hmm. then Stafford Borough Council. And then um, I always wanted to make the move into the governing body and cricket was the one that I was interested in the most um, and luckily a job came up 10 years ago that I've loved and I've done ever since. So you could have gone to other sports as well potentially? Yeah yeah and I've, I've got interests in I love rugby I love hockey tennis football I, I do like sport general um, just can't play at any high level at any of them. <laughs> uh, but you, you you follow lots of different sports yeah. yeah what what, what other sports other than cricket do you follow the most? Um, I, I do love tennis. I love tennis. I've just um, I've just been away actually to uh, to Tenerife and the flight was a decent length, so I watched um, a program. I think it was called Resurfaced with Andy Murray. I love Andy Murray; he's one of my favourites. And yeah, I love that side of things. So, did you uh, watch Emma's uh, final a few weeks ago? Then I did indeed. I did. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter what part of the country you come from. Doesn't matter how old you are. Nobody could not be thrilled by what happened there. Obviously, no, it's amazing. I got the kids down. I was like, you need to watch this. Stumps, bumps, You've been here now 10 years with staff cricket, you say? Yeah, just about, yeah. I came in as the club development manager. Um, the roles changed over the over time. But yeah, I've been the club development manager now, which is my prime focus is on clubs and making them the best that they can be with you know the resources that we've got in place and when it comes to the county board there's a lot of people around um staffordshire and it, you know no doubt around the rest of the country they all got their clubs who are related to county boards but what is staffordshire's cricket board's core responsibilities as a county board to us main responsibilities for us are uh, clubs and club development schools so making sure that as many children as possible have got the opportunity to play cricket within the school environment. 
predominantly primary schools and then the pathway so making sure that if you get into the game that you've got the opportunity to excel and play for England if that's if that's what you want to do so that's our prime focus and our ECB focus if you like is making sure that cricket's a game for for me so in whatever way that you would want to be involved in the game whether that be as an umpire as a scorer mm-hmm. as a player you've got the opportunity to be able to do that where we say it a lot but we're a, we're a high performing board we do do well we've got a good team Jason's a strong leader from our side of things and we've worked together for a long time and yeah we've been here a long time there's not a big change around staff obviously I've been here for 10 years mm-hmm. Jason's been here I think 15 okay um Kev's been here for eight you know there's a lot of us that have been here a long time know the network well I live in the area that I cover so we mm-hmm. split the club network into half there's 100 clubs give or take Kev deals with the south side and I deal with the north side and the east side where obviously do you think that's one of the keys for you guys yeah definitely it, we know the club's inside out the majority of them we know contacts we could ring someone I could ring someone now at most clubs and be able to have a you know a meaningful conversation I wouldn't be having to tell them who I am and yeah. Kev wouldn't have to in his in his patch and the level of detail that we need to know is high and if we didn't know the clubs as well that's a really tough job to do Absolutely. to ring somebody and say we need you to we need you to do this or actually we'd like to use your ground for something if you mm-hmm. haven't got that personal relationship it's a it's an uphill battle but you sort of run the county from a county board perspective exactly the same way as a Warwickshire or a Derbyshire or a Lancashire would. We do in terms of clubs, schools and pathway, mm-hmm. but obviously not in terms of venue and because sure. obviously the first class counties generally have got mm-hmm. a huge stadium, stadium to look after. So, But apart from that, the, the only difference is the, the size of the team. Some county boards have got three, 15, 16, some right. have got 45. Mm-hmm. Yorkshire's of this world have got five times the amount of clubs that I've got. Um, They've got more staff to cope with that, and that's the only that's the only real difference I ever see. In. What do you think is the difference between you and, let's just say, a not so high performing board? You must see some and go, what are they doing wrong compared to what we're doing? This is dead cheesy, and I, I've said this loads. And uh, people do approach us because of the work that we do within the club network. Um, but we we care. I know how cheesy that sounds, but genuinely, myself, Kev and you know anybody else that deals with the club network we generally care about what goes on in club land and if someone rings me at seven o'clock on a Sunday night I'll take the call on seven o'clock on a Sunday night because they're volunteers we want them to get the best that they can from us and if I can help a volunteer to make their time spent in the game on Mm -hmm. the administration easier with a two-minute conversation that is what we do and that's where I, I pride us here especially with regards to club development on that side of caring and wanting to make a difference with the volunteers that are out there. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. What would you say the relationship between staffs as a county is and the other counties locally, so the Warwickshire's of this world, which is next door to us? Yeah, good. We meet regularly. I've got a meeting in Worcester next week with the with all the counties within the West Midlands. And, okay. and Jason meets regularly with, with the West and East Midlands now. So, yeah, it's a good relationship. And when we have new staff come on board, we make contact with them. And so there's been quite an influx of women's and girls officers, yeah. obviously, recently. Um, go on Zoom, introduce ourselves, because I've been here a long time. But actually, the new ones that are coming through have got really good ideas. And I saw the other day Shropshire were doing some um, UV cricket. And that's come from a new member of staff coming UV. in. UV? Yeah, so doing it under in a dark room with lights on so they wear reflective clothing and okay. it's brilliant but that's come from a 
somebody who's come through with new ideas, younger, you know, a younger face. That's what we need. But more things to encourage girls, especially, to, to get involved in the game. And do you find that those sort of new ideas come from the national counties rather than the first class ones because they're all focused on getting players into their pathway? No, I, th- I don't think of it like that. No. I'm not, I'm, I genuinely don't. We don't work in that way. I think Chris probably does. So Chris is our pathway manager. Mm-hmm. He probably works in that way. But because I'm based around club development, doesn't doesn't matter where you're right. from or what you're doing. And I think that goes back to the... And I know um, on the podcast you were just saying little old Wins Hill. And it used to be the case that people used to say big clubs, little clubs. And for us, it doesn't... It, it never has mattered. You're all doing the same thing and you're all providing cricket, whether you're providing cricket for 10 children mm-hmm. or 110 children. It, doesn't matter to us and we've thankfully got away from that big club little club syndrome ten years on then jenny uh, what are you seeing in terms of the difference in uh what you guys do on a day-to-day basis compared to 10 years because things moved on quite a lot in cricket the last 10 years yeah the biggest difference is the national programs and and the women's and girls game as well the national programs in the last four years there's been a significant change in my workload obviously all-stars all-stars cricket and dynamos cricket are the national programs they came on board in 2017 and, and very quickly we we had 60 70 clubs taking it up straight away um, and that's grown obviously over the last four years and this year we've had a bumper year which we thought we were going to have obviously people wanting to get back out yeah. and get involved and I think a lot of clubs have seen that side of things where there's certainly more people involved than there was before and more interest as well and and once you get involved in All-Stars and you do it well you will generally do well every year it's organic it. yeah it just carries on other parents see it they want their kids to do it and it, it just carries on from there so I don't think once clubs do well with it they don't tend to then go backwards so you see you've got 100 clubs give or take in Staffordshire mm. so that, that includes Stoke? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stoke. Stoke. Have, have you seen that, that, that's the bit a lot of people are surprised at how yeah. far it stretches yeah. have you seen many changes in the clubs over those 10 years in terms of where clubs have developed and unfortunately where clubs have not yeah there's always change there's always it's a big ECB word but there's a lot of churn that goes on so right. there's you know clubs like like yourselves a good example um, where probably two or three years ago or four years ago when we started with All Stars not a very big junior section and All Stars has been the change that a couple of clubs have needed to to make things better equally there's always clubs every year that for whatever reason struggle so mass movement of players um, issues within management there's loads of reasons why clubs can go forwards and backwards and um, we've just had our awards recently and the two clubs that spring to mind probably and that is yourselves in, in terms of doing particularly well with All Stars and Dynamos and making a real go of a junior section and making a big difference. And me, Heath Cricket Club, that were on the verge of folding probably two years ago, we went in for emergency meetings and um, they've turned themselves around because of using national programmes as well. So if you start from the bottom again, which is always our advice, if you have big issues, start from the bottom, build yourself back up again. Um, But that happens every year. There's a club that does particularly well and there's a club that struggles for whatever reason and there's mm. varying reasons as to why that happens. Can I ask about Mia Heath there? You say that they almost folded. Mm. You know, was that a, a down to the churn and sort of people moving out of the area or moving out of the club? Was it literally just l- lack of people there, basically? Yeah, I think I think it just happens sometimes. I think people... Um, there's not so many volunteers involved. Um, things tend to sometimes go down the route of gearing around the first and second team mm. and forgetting about the families that you want to be involved at your club. 
but going back in and saying right, what do you want to be as a club do you mm-hmm. want to be a you know the Premier League champions or do you want to be a family friendly club in the middle of your community mm-hmm. what is it you want to be so you almost went in on a sort of an Ofsted basis and there were yeah. special measures and yeah. you've got to say right this is where you put the building blocks in to start again yep. um, and get yourself to a position where you're not thinking that you're going to fold you've got new volunteers and new people around Yeah. so how many kids have they got played over there now uh, I think they had 47 All-Stars and 18 Dynamos. Wow. Yeah. And, and a lot of that came from, there's a, a big primary school, I don't know, half a mile away from them, um, with a double intake, so a huge school. Um, they got the word in there on social media, and, and I always say this, but and social media is the biggest way of getting youngsters into your club at mm-hmm. All-Stars and Dynamos, and they did that, they got in contact with the school, they got put in the newsletter, and off it went from there and um, they did get to the point interestingly they did get to the point where they um, they got to the magic number of I think it was about 24 where you, did, you need two activators yeah. um, they didn't want to open it up anymore and a dad of one of the children desperately wanted his daughter to play I think it was his daughter to play and the club said we're full we can't take any more we've got no more activators and he said I'll be an activator and he came to the awards the uh, other day and, and that's absolutely. the sort of he went on the train and he became an activator he's now actively involved in the club and that's a success story for me it's nice uh, to see and that that's for me that sounds very similar to the story we had at our club mm. where six years ago I inherited six kids one of our coaches now reminds me of the very first net that we had with six kids and we've already got 62 committed for next season yeah. um, and it's it's hard work yes and it's taken a lot of effort to get there but actually it's been made easier by the national programmes. Yeah. Uh, All-Stars and Dynamos, without them, I, I guess we'd be at 20, and that'd be a decent number anyway. But with All-Stars and Dynamos, we're at 62 before we've even advertised to go outside of our current group. Mm. That's where it gets a little bit scary in terms of activators, coaches, yeah. coach support workers, and all that extra staff that we need. I think, uh, you, I think you have to make sure there is a club, and that's an, the other side of the work that we do is don't get don't have too many don't just because you could get 100 don't doesn't mean that you should necessarily have 100 go with what's right for you or what's right for the size of your club and also you've got to think if those kids stay on they've got to be able to play cricket somewhere and the last thing you want is children that aren't playing games because kids want to play games if you can't accommodate them within your junior section then there's no point having 100 juniors am i right in saying you just have 24 all-stars at Caverswell? We had 30 this year, 30. but yeah, yeah, yeah. For that very reason, I could take more if I wanted to. We've exactly. got the volunteers, but it's it's enough for our club to cope with. And if that can't be a lesson to clubs who aren't sure what to do when you're actually in it day in day out, you know what the crack is, but you want to limit, you don't want to overburden yourself with too many kids and not be able to do the job properly. No, and I love I love doing all stars, but 30. I mean, you have a few ill each week or a few that are on holiday, and 25, 26 is. <laughs> Is enough for anybody, I think. Yeah, I think the record we got to was 24 at one point with, I think it was 11 adults supervising. Yeah. Um, and even then we started to wonder whether that was... But now we, now we've got it under control. Now we know how to run the system. Like Keep herding run. sheep. Yeah, and, and I think the first year we did it at our club, it was a bit of a babysitting sort of exercise. You could mm. see parents come along and actually for the first couple of weeks they could just have a drink and sit and watch. And then we just said to them, hey, hang on a minute, because we can't do everything. And actually then they start to help and get more enthused. And the ones who got enthused in year one came back year two. And it built from that. And I think that's the key. And they become club. When we do the training, a really big part of the training is, I've been to a lot of clubs before where they get 30 all-stars and they never go inside the clubhouse. They never venture through that door Mm. because they turn up, the parents, you know, sit at the side on the bench and the kids play. And then they get back in the car. They may go to the toilet if 
you know, if they've needed to go. But generally, they don't go in the clubhouse and mm. say to people, get them some biscuits and a drink inside the clubhouse. Yeah. They need to know what it looks like inside because if you don't, they will never go into the clubhouse. They'll yeah. never see what your place is like and they'll never understand the nature of a, what a cricket club's all about. It's Absolutely. just like going to a swimming pool yeah. and going in, getting out and going back out. Yeah, you know, definitely. Feeling what the club's like. I think one of the big things we've noticed over the, the last few years, and this year in particular was massive, where you finish your All-Star session and you've got your exodus of kids and their parents walking across the ground to leave. But this year, that exodus took longer and longer because they wanted to carry on playing. Mm. And the parents would get, get up and play with them. And all of a sudden, you've got sort of... Out of our, we had 24, 26 kids playing All-Stars. And you'd have a dozen of them still carrying on. And it's great to see that. That's just, my favourite, that. Exactly. I love nothing more than a, a session that finishes and a load of kids playing on the outfield with their parents. Yeah. That is sucks for me. That Absolutely. That success is yeah. people wanting to stay and be in the fresh air play a bit of sometimes they're playing a bit of football sometimes they're playing a bit of cricket whatever they're doing they're still at the club they're still spending money and they're enjoying themselves and yeah. that's and that to me is big tick in the box for all of us when we're doing that right you would know, encourage all clubs to do exactly the same to actually get out early don't wait until April to start looking for your all-stars and your dynamos because either A they're already planning to do something else or B there might be another club that's got them mm. um, we've got the luxury at our club that there's not another club doing all-stars on our scale within three or four miles doesn't sound a lot but for a parent that's actually meaning they don't have to drive any further for it and I'm sure in some parts of Staffordshire especially when you go up to the Borlands it's quite a big catchment area for one or two of these isn't there sir yeah in Newcastle um, there's a huge amount of clubs in a small space um, so when you've got Audley Wood Lane Leasett Silverdale all those are in a really short you know drive okay. from each other and is it competitive between them to try and grab it can be it can be but there are you know like I just said, when you talk about me, Heath, and the, probably 99% of the kids have come from one school, if you get it right and just, you know, have a good contact with your local primary school, you can get most of your, your kids from there. But, um, yeah, there is a little bit of competition in the ones that are nearer to each other, I think. Nothing wrong with us. No, no. In terms of where we are as a, a sort of, a, not just a Staffordshire board, but a sort of cricket family right now, how important do you think these national programmes are? You know, five years ago, we started in 2017 with All Stars, and we've had Dynamos last year. It was a bit of a strange start yeah, because of the pandemic. Where do you think we'd be without it? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the game would still go on, obviously. obviously. Still, the, the game would still take place, but I think that younger... Uh, the way that I always describe it to people is, and some clubs will say, well, I've only got eight, I've only got ten. But if someone was to give you every year, if someone was to give you back in 2017, every year... 10 or 20 new players aged yeah. 5 to 8 that would have been brilliant mm-hmm. back then um, now it's a steady feed every year you turn the wheel as we say you turn the wheel mm-hmm. and you you know if you're doing things well you'll get 20 25 kids coming down to your club yeah. um so yeah that's it's probably the biggest change and it's easier it's easier you've still got to get volunteers of course you have but you've still got to do that anyway um, but having that feed before under 8s or under 9s mm-hmm. you know whichever level you're playing at um sitting there waiting to play in yeah. the team is certainly a lot better than it was back in 2017. Yeah, I think one of the changes I've seen on the back of that in the last five years, and you tell me if you've seen this around the whole of Staffordshire, in our area, the volunteers who now come to, for example, league meetings or development groups, it's not all the same faces now. Yeah. Now we've got new people coming along. Is that the same around the rest of the, the county? Yeah, it is. And, and I think there's a, a definite age difference as well. So when I came in, there was an older sort of an older demographic mm-hmm. of 
males that were generally involved in the game um, and that's completely different now and we've got a and I think we worked really hard on that as well to make sure that we got the right people sitting at the development groups coming and representing all stars and getting involved in the women's game and um, you've got to keep working at that all the time and you've got to have it in your mind all the time that that's what you want to happen so that you don't just keep you know expecting the same people and seeing the same people and um, yeah definitely that's a massive it's a massive difference from 10 years ago when I came into the board I mean you know, go back to as you were saying earlier about when you first started at cricket clubs there was nothing like this you know nothing like the national programs we just used to turn up and if you you had one or two of the volunteers would be putting something on for you and you were lucky if it was semi-organized mm. now it's so I'm not going to say overly organized but it's, I mean for a club it's easy to put on you know, any club who tells me they can't put all stars on I just laugh at them because it's the easiest thing that you're told what to do on a week-to-week basis. Mm. Dynamos, you're told what to do on a week-to-week basis. Just do what you're told to do. And you know, the kids will come, the kids will tell their friends. The, we, we found last season in particular that we were still getting phone calls two, three weeks into the actual start of the programme because their mates have said, oh, look what I've been doing. And that to me says that it's been organised easily. Not everyone we've had as an activator has been fully playing cricket for 30 years, 20 years, or even 10 years. These are new people and new volunteers, and I think mm. that's what you're seeing around all development groups now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Makes a big difference. So. Stumps, bumps, and bumps. Let's just take a, a quick moment to get into our Super Over. Super Over. Tell us, Jerry, what, what's your favourite ground? Uh, in staffs, Alton, nice and quiet, like it up there. Right. So, uh, but international, Edge Baston, definitely. Okay, favourite batter? Uh, Owen Morgan. Favourite bowler? Jimmy Anderson. Easy for me, that one. Absolutely. Favourite tipple? Uh, rhubarb and ginger gin with ginger ale. It's a regular for me. That's a very, very specific It's exotic. Point. Exactly. <laughs> Your tea item of choice? Cricket tea item. Yeah. Oh, it depends. If it's a posh tea, I do like a volivant, but it's proper posh, that isn't it? But uh, I do like a chicken and stuffing sandwich. They're new to our list. And sporting hero, cricket or otherwise? Otherwise, for me, Kelly Holmes is a big one for me when I was younger, um, when she won both golds, 2004. Athens. Is it that long ago? Yeah, 2004, Athens. She, um, that was a big thing for me, seeing a female winning gold like that was as a youngster was yeah, massive for me. So. Brilliant. Super over. Stumps, bumps, and beer bumps. It's competition time. It is indeed competition time. We've got two Winsel bobble hats to give away. So if you want to be in with a chance to win yourself a bobble hat, all you've got to do is send us your funniest or most embarrassing cricket moment, along with your name and where you're from, to stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. The winning entries will be read out on our next podcast. So to win a bobble hat and to get a mention, get thinking and get writing. All entries must be submitted before the 16th of December. You've got to be in it to win it. So women's and girls cricket, Jenny, it's it's come on, can only describe as leaps and bounds in the past few years. Tell us about it here in Staffordshire and where it was and where it is now from what, what you first remember it. I suppose from from a staffing point of view as well, there was only me. You know, there was okay. only a female member of staff for quite a long time. Was There was only myself. Um, and from a playing side, there was probably only back nine years ago, there was probably four or five clubs in the county. They were playing at a decent level, the, the highest level that they could probably play. Um, and then things have moved on massively in the last probably 
five years in particular, things have moved on both from a staffing point of view. We've now got 50% of the workforce, which is female, uh, which is great yeah. because coming from just myself being in a room generally mm-hmm. um, surrounded by men, it is nice to have a, a real mix of people working in mm-hmm. the, at the board. Um, but yeah, in terms of clubs, it's crazy. The, how far how many are you up to now? Um, I think we're at about 50, so... Wow. Yeah, 50% of the clubs in the county are... In the last five years? Yeah, I think five or six years, yeah. yeah. That's incredible. What's driven that, do you think, the most? The softball. We're in softball festivals. Um, Obviously, there's outside influences as well. Um, DCB and their um, changes with regards to the women's game is making a big difference. And we were only talking the other day about girls that are coming through now that play in the pathway that want to play for England right. we wouldn't have had many girls saying that years ago and I don't think even Danny Wyatt would have said certainly she wouldn't have said when she was younger that um, she wanted to play for England necessarily when she first started to play yeah. whereas girls can now see that that is a if they're good enough that is a it's a pathway that they're looking forward to yeah. yeah yeah so whereas you know if someone wants to be a footballer some of the girls and boys want to be professional cricketers and yeah. for us that's a massive and I think that's come alongside what's happened with women's football at the same time the last sort of four or five years that just from it being on TV in very mm-hmm. simplistic terms especially cricket's been ahead of football in fact when it comes to terrestrial TV uh, and it's made a massive difference and being able to watch women's cricket as well as men's cricket and see that the England games on a regular basis rather than Ad hoc is the best way to describe it, isn't yeah. it? So, and I think the hundred as well. I know you know not everybody's cup of tea, perhaps um, from the traditional side of the game. It's but phenomenal. Yeah, it's made the amount of women and girls that went to the hundreds to watch that have never probably been to a cricket ground before, a, a large cricket ground before, mm-hmm. um, saw it on the telly, were watching it at six o'clock, yeah. having their tea. That makes a massive difference to the game, and um, that drives girls to want to play play at that level and travel the world and, and play for England and that's we needed that we needed we needed that alongside investment in the women's game to to be able to make a change yeah and I, th- I think one of the nice things for the, the women and girls uh, game as well is right now it's still relatively fledgling as well mm. so if you are half decent down in Burslem or half decent in Caverswall you know, you're going to get noticed far quicker than you are if you're a, a, a young male playing in wherever because there's not as many playing still. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing, but there's a good chance that getting on that pathway could take you a lot lot further down the down the game, obviously. Did you see the, the growth continuing? That's the key though, isn't it? Yeah, it is continuing and I think it's changing as well. So the majority of those clubs are women's softball teams, but in the last two years um, we've seen that change. So uh, last or this this season, I should say, uh, we did the first ever hardball league in Staffordshire. Okay. And if I'm perfectly honest, when we put the message out to say we're going to do a hardball league, we weren't expecting a huge amount of response, and we got 11 teams, which probably doesn't sound like a lot to anybody else. But if you were to tell anybody in the country that when they do their hardball league for the mm-hmm. first time, they get 11 new teams, and that was purely that league was for teams that had come through the softball festivals. Okay. So it wasn't teams that were already playing. It was a definite progression from we're really enjoying women's softball cricket but mm-hmm. actually we want to play something a bit more you know with a bit more development We've got women and girls that want to play hardball and to have 11 teams in that was huge for us and you know it had varying degrees of success some played loads and some played you know small amounts of, of cricket it's been a good learning curve for us and that will only grow moving forward okay with the, the softball festivals how many have you got to now it's what three or four years since you started them now yeah we did 33 this year festivals yeah 
Yeah, 33. So, and then we did two um, floodlit at J&G Meekins as mm-hmm. well, which were a massive success. We've never done that before. Um, and for the women to play under lights, and then the girls did as well. On the So we did Monday, Tuesday, women's festivals under lights, and then Wednesday uh, with the girls' festivals. Yeah, it's been a massive year, considering we've had COVID and yeah, it's yeah. been tough. Um, there were smaller ones, so whereas it used to be that we did, we would maybe have 12, 16 teams at a club, We've had to obviously we had to decrease that amount, and so we've done more festivals because of it. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think I don't think I'd go back to 12, 14 teams at a club anymore. I think it's a lot. That is, it's a lot um, for us. It's a lot for the teams. Go to what eight, eight, eight or six? Yeah, I think eight, eight is a nice number to have at any at any festival, and it depends on the ground and the size of it, obviously. But um, yeah, I think we'd stick with that, and we've got a good team. We've got plenty of us that like doing festivals, and we've got some clubs as well. We can't, we can't make this bigger if we haven't got good clubs that we trust sure. that we can leave to get on with festivals mm-hmm. so um amy carmel's a good example over at um Oakamore. she's done a few festivals for us we give her everything she needs we give her all the fixtures and she runs it brilliantly she just on gets her own. On with it. yeah and she knows what she's doing she's she's great at it uh, there's a few clubs now that we do that with because if we're going to grow it we need to we need it to be sustainable as well and yeah because you can't have staff everywhere you can't no. spread yourselves too thinly no. can you and to run 33 festivals there's four female members of staff um, Kev does some festivals Stu does some festivals so we spread it around a bit but if it's going to keep growing we've got to make sure that we have got clubs that are able to run festivals themselves So I should have asked this question earlier on then you've got about 100 clubs in the whole of the county how many players do you think are participating in total in the county give or take? There's well, last time we did a national playing survey, so that's the ECB's survey of mm-hmm. players, there was 27,000 in staffs. Um, now that probably changed a little bit between now and then, but they break those up into core players, so people that play regularly. I think it's 12 or more games in a season, so you're generally men's teams yeah. probably. Um, and then under that is occasional cricketers, so there's a split between the two. When's that next survey due? I'm not sure, to be honest. Because that's where I'm, you can see where I'm going with that. You see the women and girls' development on that, because of the 27,000, it would have been a relatively small number for the women's and girls, Yeah. uh, whereas it's bound to be a lot bigger, because I'm presuming that would include now the kids in All Stars and Dynamos and all that must be part of that survey. Yeah, and I think as well, they call cameo, so we go cameo, occasional core. Cameo would have probably been your women's cricketers back, you know, back in 2014. Uh, now they would have definitely made the move into occasional and regular, you know, regular cricketers. Some of them will be playing more than. And there's a lot. Um, Penkridge in particular is one that stands out for me. Um, I think they've got four or five women now that came through the softball playing men's cricket, same wow. team men's cricket every week. So now we have the issue now where we need to make changes to pavilions because that's a, a significant number of women that need somewhere proper to get changed. Absolutely. They can't just be getting changed in the disabled loo or the toilets or wherever it may be, yeah. or the umpires' changing rooms. They need a dedicated space, and mm-hmm. that's the position now we're moving into where we've got to make changes to our pavilions as well to accommodate. I suppose un- unless a club's got enough women and girls playing to create its own team, actually they, they're all got to start doing that now and they've got to accommodate it. It's, just, it's no different to... Uh, being ready for disabled people coming into the, into the building if necessary because mm. they just can't have them changing full stock can they no I and mean, they can't be in the same space as the men they have to accommodate but that's a mammoth obviously that's especially when you're in a county where you're heading to 50 55 clubs playing um, that's a big job you know, to be able to make those changes and do you see that that starts at school is it the, the literally girls at school are picking it up first and foremost or are you getting all age groups 
Um, the women's game has, co- has come from, and it's generally sort of 30 plus, I would say. Okay. So 25, 30 plus that have started to play and older. Um, That's a lot older than male cricket though, isn't it? Yeah, but they've... That's fabulous. It's been, they've been attracted by a... And it's probably part of the success that we've had here. We use good imagery. We right. don't use, you know... We try and use imagery of real women of all shapes and sizes yeah. um, because cricket is a game for everyone Absolutely. and anyone can play. But if you use imagery of a 22-year-old, um, you know, a 22-year-old girl that's played for ages that's wearing whites, mm-hmm. you are never going to inspire a 45-year-old woman that's never played before, perhaps played on the beach and actually quite enjoys it. You're never going to inspire if you use imagery of a 22-year-old girl in whites. Mm-hmm. So we are very mindful of that all the time. That is something I'm, I am very aware of, because I wouldn't be. I would class myself. I, you know, if I was going to start playing a different sport, I'd want to know that the people yeah. playing it were yeah. similar to me. So I try and make sure that here we do the same, and because you will never encourage more people to play. And so that side of things is important. But in terms of the girls' game. It's easier now because of all stars. It's it's aimed at everybody. It's got imagery of everybody, Absolutely. and so getting girls involved is e- a little bit easier now. But if they go into a club and they see a female activator or a female lead within the club, Absolutely. it's normal to yeah. them. And we're seeing that more and more. We've got more female coaches, and so you can see that trickling through. We were in that situation five six years ago. Five years ago with all stars, it was an all male team of activators. Um, it didn't prevent us getting no, uh, girls but I know now having uh, Jenny who looks after our all-stars it makes a difference yeah um, yeah we've got two ladies looking after all-stars with two or three blokes helping out mm. not the other way around yeah um, and I think that has encouraged a lot of uh, young females to come and join our all-stars and more importantly then take the next step into dynamos because they want to carry on mm. I think if you've got them playing for two or three years back to back you've got a chance then mm. if they come in at age 11 and just play one season, you're probably not going to keep them. It's, mm. it's, you're very rare to keep them at all. Whereas, as you say, to get the 30-odd-year-olds and plus, mm. that's fascinating to see senior women coming to do that and then wanting more. Tell us, in terms of the festivals, how many do you think you can go to next year? Staff would kill me if I said we'd do any more, but I think we'll probably do about the same. Right. I think we try and do, uh, from April through to September, we try and do three or four a month. It's, and we try and do them on the same weekend so that, all of our emphasis around social media and pictures and promoting the game and in terms of for us administration-wise we're all geared around one weekend Um, that's worked well so far and I think people it's a bit of a bugbear with me but people try and want to change things a little bit too quickly sometimes and people say why don't you do this why don't you do that why don't you make it more competitive why don't you do this and I'm like well actually it's working really well as it is we can change the competitive option in other areas of the game but in terms of the festivals, people don't necessarily want to win it. That's why they're there. They want to just play the game and go home. I mean, yep. had a good day. There's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes, having worked in sport for 21 years, you have to just play sport for sport's sake sometimes mm. and then have a competitive element as well. I want to win, but I'm not of the nature of you know wanting to go into a, a Premier League structure and play that element of the game. It's, it's, not, not, bro- it's not broke, so why should we try to fix yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's still quite early on in terms of three or four years of the festivals if we still do the same in 10 years time I'd be surprised because things will have developed and hopefully yeah. a lot more women and girls come through as well do you have a sort of a shall we say a vision of where you're going to get one or two of your women and girls into what level of cricket you know, sort of regular cricket I, I love the fact that cricket's one of the few games that we see on a, a amateur basis where 
male and female can play together. Mm. You know, I know it's our club when we haven't had a female play in our. Sorry, tell a lie. We've had one female play a second team game once. Do you have a vision of getting someone into a Division One or a Premier? Or do you, can you see someone in in your pathway, shall we call it, of women and girls? Are you thinking that, that going to keep an eye on that one? Um, Chris probably would more so than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've got girls that are coming through Davina. Uh, Perrin's probably a good example. She's just been selected for uh, Central Sparks. So she probably won't make that route down the men's game because she'll go down the women's route, which is exactly right for her and that's how the game should be. Um, but there's, She's made there's, a big jump straight away then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And she's only 15, 16. Wow. Um, and has made, yeah, has made that move over to the Sparks, which is, is great to see. And mm-hmm. she's come through the club game and played in a women's team within a within one of the women's clubs and that's what we want to see yeah exactly um, and, but there's there's other women in it you know go back to the Penkridge thing it is lovely to see women that started playing softball and they literally hadn't played before then and now playing second team cricket within within Penkridge is, is lovely to see yeah it was lovely to see at our club when we not only did our first festival but then straight after the first festival the week after the the women's captain decided right now we've got to practice for next year and started to take it just that little bit more yeah. seriously without going over the top yeah but, Still know, a full, fun element to exactly, the, to the and, and now it's sort of the four to six weeks before our festival, they do a bit of practice, mm. and it's the basics. But at the end of the day, they they want to make sure they have a good game. But they've all got that little bit of competitive spirit, and a lot of our cricket women and girls are linked to Burton Rugby Club. Yeah, and so there's definite competitive spirit comes out of that. Tell us just sort of you know before we sort of come to an end. What potential issues do you see in terms of growth for the cricketing family and the cricketing world at, at our club level? Because clearly it's been relatively, he says, rosy for the past 18 months, two mm. years. Winning the World Cup helped, obviously. Yeah. The hundreds helped from a male and female perspective. What sort of issues can you see in terms of going forward? I think the, the biggest issue always for me is volunteering. The volunteers are at the heart of everything that we do. And um, if we don't continue to get people involved, then... Um, and as we said earlier on, the older generation, if you like, used to do it and did it for until they were 80, yep. until they couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. That is clearly quite different now and people mm-hmm. don't volunteer probably yeah. for as long as they used to. So that will continue to be um, an issue. And, and when clubs do struggle, it's normally because of the volunteering side of the game. But if clubs get it right and they've got an, you know, an, a want for people to get involved, because sometimes there isn't always that want. People sometimes in a club want to run things for themselves. But yeah, volunteering definitely is, is the side that's the most probably the most vulnerable. The majority of clubs do it brilliantly and still continue to get people involved. So, so my advice to any clubs or anybody who's listening to, to this podcast is a very simple one. Just ask people. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask. And the more you ask, the chances are you'll get a yes. I think the, the other side, and the side we, t- we talk about a lot when we train All-Stars activators is... Give them a small job, though. Don't say, can you be our first-team scorer? Can you buy the juice every week? Can you sort the biscuits out at the end every week? It's just one less job for the coach and the manager to have to do. It's a tiny job for someone, but it is a job still, and it saves somebody else doing it. And break those things down into smaller amounts that someone can do, whether it be a parent or a junior. Break it down and make it a little bit easier as my biggest advice probably and if they've got any doubts they just need to ring staff's board ring you guys and talk to you about what goes on yeah. you know, if, they, if, they, if they don't think their local club's doing what it needs to they can talk to you yeah. um, and we always come in like we've done at your club like yeah. we've done at you know, several other clubs we, we would happily go in speak to speak to the club speak to the committee and see where mm-hmm. we can help so do you see this as, you know, as a sort of interesting way to and I'm not going to hold you to it but do you see this as this is your life now you're in cricket <laughs> for the rest of your career <laughs> this is you know, cause I, I know how much you love 
helping around the clubs and getting into the clubs for you and Kev is just what you do isn't it is this it for you um I don't know I love sport I love sport generally um but cricket is the thing that I do love the most I like to play at a very low level I do I do like and, and it's unique cricket is very unique um Similar, a little bit similar to rugby as well, in mm-hmm. that they've normally got a clubhouse and a, a place that they call their own, and that's not always the case with with a lot of other sports. Mm. And that's the bit that I do like the most. Yeah, I don't know. It, it is something that I love, and I would find it quite difficult to Brilliant. change into something else. Stumps, and You're going to enter a, a, a six-a-side team into uh, the stump sumps and beer pumps six-a-side competition. So. It doesn't matter where the players come from. They might be players that are in your local league. It might be internationals. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but six-a-side team of cricketers. You need two bowlers, two batsmen, a wicketkeeper, and an all-rounder. And don't be afraid to include yourself. So, <laughs> I wouldn't be including myself. <laughs> <laughs> so are you going to manage the team? I think I'm, I, I, yeah, I think probably. I certainly wouldn't be in it. <laughs> okay, then who's, go, who's going to be your batsman? Uh, Owen Morgan. Easy for me. I know I said he was a favourite batter, but um, I saw him at uh, Old Trafford when he hit the seventeen mm-hmm. sixes, and I was I was blown away, mesmerised. Yeah, yeah. I have had the joy of meeting him a couple of times as well. In uh, he's a top. He's bloke. lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he would be my number one. Number two batter. Oh, it's my one of my best friends, and she plays in our team. Claire Smith. She well, she's named Baranowski. I shouldn't. Uh, Smithy is a maiden name. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. She's a great batter. She wherever we go, she hits it all over the place out of the ground very often she would be my uh, if if I was picking a team of anyone she would be the first in it brilliant bowlers um, Anderson like I said before yeah favourite bowler and yeah he would be first in my team um, and Vanderkirk from South African female captain yes and bowler she I don't know why I love watching her play I like how she captains the team mm-hmm. um, I love watching her play I think we've all got a player um, in cricket or whatever sport you might follow, where you just for whatever reason mm. like watching them play. She looks, she looks like a normal person, not a traditional looking cricketer, if you like. And I just like, I like how she is. I like her, the way she is on the pitch. I like how she is with her teammates, and she's a yeah, brilliant bowler as well. So yeah. What about your all rounder? Moen Ali. You see, that would be a cricketer that I could just watch all day. Full yeah. enough. Yeah, it's exactly. I that. watch him in the hundred and. I like watching him anyway. He's also a Liverpool fan, which helps a great deal for me. He's from Staffs, is he? Yeah, yeah. Well, played. He's played a lot of cricket. He's played played within the county, and Kadir obviously is um, captain the county side as well. Okay. And you, wicketkeeper? It's a difficult one for me because probably one of my favourite cricketers ever is Alex Stewart. Um, I've got a picture in there on my desk of me with Alex Stewart. He is one of my favourites, but Sarah Taylor, easy for me. Oh. And also her background as well, and the, you know the issues that she's had in terms of mental health issues, and I've had similar issues in my, you know, in my younger years, and to see her play, struggle, come back to play, and Phenomenal. still be so good at what Phenomenal. she does is, is and, amazing. And one of the one of my favourite people ever to watch being interviewed. Yeah. She's just an absolute wonderful lady to listen to. Yeah, she is. Talks ridiculously well mm. about all of her mental health struggles as well yeah. as her cricket. And isn't she the first female to actually be coaching on a 
first class county. Uh, I think it's down at Sussex, I think it was. Phenomenal wicketkeeper mm. and a, a tremendous player. And I think she's she's a leader in terms of with Heather Knight, for example, at the yeah. England cricket team. You know, that's they're the people that you know that, that the women and girls are following, isn't it? So and you know, if I've got a daughter, and you know, if you want your child to be like somebody and to Absolutely. have the right way about going about things, then she would be a, she'd be a big one for me. But I am a little bit gutted to leave Alex Stewart out because he is my all-time favourite. Stewie, um, I will tweet this to you and uh, see whether you get <laughs> gutted about being left out. Definitely, so. Hey, Jenny, it's been absolutely fabulous to talk today. Um, thanks for your time. Thanks for the invite over to Staffs Cricket. Uh, if if anyone else would obviously want us to come and have a chat about your local cricket club your local cricket board then you know where to get hold of us it's uh, stumps umps and beer pumps at gmail.com or you can tweet us or drop us a note on facebook um it's been fabulous thanks for joining us in cow corner jenny and we'll see you next time thank you stumps, umps, and beer pumps. thanks jenny great insight into staffordshire cricket uh, just before we finish, uh, one final reminder: the AGM on the sixth of oh, December. Oh, they're bobble Neil, Neil, please, I'm talking <laughs> serious now. Sixth of December, uh, seven pm, Abbott Bain School AGM. Come along, have your vote. Neil, what are you saying about? Yeah, get your bobble at orders in. If you want to bobble at, Neil's your man. We'll post another picture on social media: stump stumps and beer pumps. Uh, but if you really want one, get one in for Christmas. Speak to me or Livo, and we'll get one ordered for you. So that's all we've got time for for this edition of Stumps, Umps and Beer Pumps. Thank you to our special guest today. If you know someone at your club that wishes to come and have a chat with us and talk about your club, then please email us on stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. Also, please like and subscribe, and also you can follow us on Twitter. If you've got any questions, any stories or any funny anecdotes, then please again email us on stumpsumpsandbeerpumps at gmail.com. We hope you've enjoyed our tour around club cricket life. So please join us again for more of the same. Thank you very much for listening. This is Stump Sumps and Beer Pumps. So until next time, there's your one for the over. Stumps, Sumps and Beer Pumps. Stump, Sumps and Beer Pumps.